Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks. This second podcast of this week comes to you again from Los Angeles, where over 1,000 buyers from around the world are in Tinseltown to screen the new shows from the US studios. This year, it's fair to say, the programming has taken a backseat to the vast structural changes going on in the US television business, with the recent super consolidation already having a marked effect on the event. Fewer studios have been screening, with Fox's usual screening no longer around, having been absorbed by Disney, while Sony opted to do a presentation rather than a full-blown screening this year. There's also been fewer parties, as Hollywood reels from disruptive factors such as the Writers Guild of America and the Association of Talent Agents dispute, plus extensive layoffs across both Walt Disney Studios and 21st Century Fox, following the Mouse House's multi-billion dollar acquisition of key Fox assets. Numerous international buyers told C21 that they've been unsure exactly what shows would be made available to them this year, as the various companies look to retain rights with one eye on the launch of their own direct-to-consumer streaming services around the world in the near future. I caught up with Dermot Horan, Director of Acquisitions and Co-Productions at Irish Public Broadcaster RTE, just after he'd touched down in LA to ask him if this year felt any different and what he expected to come away with. Not only is the schedule a bit different because there's no Fox to go to, uh, Sony have decided in their wisdom not to hold a screening here, even though they've ended up having several pickups. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's all about what's actually going to be made available to buyers uh, or whether in fact buyers will get a chance uh, to bid on something at all. I think when you come to a market like this, you always really get a good sense of where the trends are in free-to-air programming on the networks. Um, I think, though, that recently, or, or probably over the last decade, it has been the premium cable shows, um, the shows on Showtime, on HBO, on FX, on, on, on Hulu, that have been those kinds of shows that are quite attractive to broadcasters around the world. And they are the very shows that are entangled in, in this consolidation web at the moment. So, you know, we've heard that Hulu uh, is going to be run by Disney, that they're not going to launch their international Hulu for a little while yet. We've been talking, 2021 has been discussed. Does that mean that they'll hold back material to have it available in 2021 or that they will in fact license material until 2021? So, so they're one of the things that that we're interested in finding out here. Um, obviously, the likes of HBO and Showtime currently have large output deals in our territory with, with the likes of Sky, but with the, the acquisition of Sky by Comcast, will that be the case in the medium to long term? Or will, in fact, you know, Warner Brothers, AT&T have their own direct-to-consumer offering? Um, my understanding is that that direct-to-consumer offering from Warners won't be available in the immediate future, in certainly in Europe, because AT&T don't have the same kind of platform. Whereas we do believe that you know Disney Plus will be you know available to consumers in the UK and Ireland probably within the year. And in terms of how the existing streamers are affecting the way uh, the LA screenings work, so over the past few years we've. We've seen certain shows not be made available um, because they've been uh, acquired by Netflix. Um, I think Dynasty was, was one such example. Is that happening again this year? I think what we're seeing uh, at the moment is the streamers are commissioning more of their own content. So I think what we saw in recent years with the likes of Dynasty being held back by, by CBS 
uh, and not even shown to buyers, or uh, E1 showing us designated survivor when in fact there was a Netflix bid internationally already in play, if not in place. I think potentially we're seeing maybe less of that because we, you know, we're, we're going to see you know Netflix and, and 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 Amazon commissioning more of their own content. Um, but what we are seeing is some of that material potentially being made available for Hulu, etc. And that, will that be entangled in the Disney Hulu uh, scenario? I also asked Dermot what he thought the potential fallout of the ongoing dispute between the Writers Guild of America and the Association of Talent Agents might be for European buyers. I think any impediment to US programming being made available uh, via disputes, etc., be it writers, directors, etc., I think that um, has a potential uplift for uh, European, Australian, Canadian-based producers and directors and writers because people will have to look elsewhere. Uh, if, in fact, uh, the, the, the recent disputes and, and, and altercations we've seen you know, between the agencies and writers, etc., mean that actually programming becomes uh, you know, available without packages and, and, and in a more fluid way and that maybe American writers can, 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 can write for more European or British drama, um, that's a good thing um, because some of the packaging has meant that uh, American programming has become very expensive to produce and therefore if you're going to get involved in pre-sales or co-productions you, you know, and you're looking to put in a percentage, you're putting in a percentage of, of what is a, has become a very large budget uh, and as we know not all of these dramas need to come in at that level of budget so you know anything that actually will allow dramas to to come in at a more modest budget is a good thing on the programming itself obviously you haven't screened anything yet but in what you've been getting in terms of in advance about the shows and the pilots is there any trends that you've spotted in the moment you know sometimes there's a there was a big uptick in military themed programming a couple of years ago anything like that it seems looking at the slate on paper, and we haven't seen the pilots yet, that there is quite a traditional slate this year. Uh, quite a lot of traditional sitcoms. Uh, they've lost a few sitcoms like the likes of Big Bang Theory, uh, so they've got to replace them. There's also quite a lot of legal procedurals, uh, some crime procedurals, and some spin-offs, like a spin-off of the, the FBI show for CBS, uh, and, and some remakes, like a Party of Five remake. Um, so that all sounds quite traditional, um, which probably for some networks can do a job. Uh, what I haven't seen, and again I've only been reading stuff in the trades and, and, and seeing stuff on paper, is I haven't seen anything particularly unique yet in terms of an event type show that, that people are beginning to talk about. Later on in the week, I spoke on the phone with Catherine Wiernick, Director of Programmes at Bonnier Broadcasting, before she headed home for Sweden to get her take on this year's somewhat chaotic screenings, which she says was dominated by chest pounding by the newly bulked up media giants, police procedurals and a welcome influx of content aimed at young adults. I mean, again, it's been intense. It's, I think as far as what we were talking about before, change uh, because of consolidation is just pure logistics and, and like the length of screenings because it's still very much, oh, Disney and Fox are screening. It's pretty much, okay, the Fox titles in the morning and the Disney titles in the afternoon. They do talk about themselves as one big studio now. Of course they do. And there's a lot of chest pounding and going, we're going to be the number one. Now we're bigger than everybody else, et cetera. Everybody seems to be at that place, uh, which we, I understand. Uh, you know, that's where you have to be. 
Um, but uh, as far as content goes, it wasn't a big, there was no, I would say, difference at all from, from last year or the year before. Um, it's, it's very, I would even say that maybe this year was, there were fewer titles sticking out. There's an ocean of procedurals just like every year. And there are cops and there are, you know, uh, profiler shows and there are not so many army shows, I would say. But I mean, and hospitals this year was predominantly profiling cops, FBI and, of course, comedies. Um, and I would say that, yeah, that's my, my feeling is less titles that people that are obviously the ones that stick out that everybody talks about. Um, a few, but not so many. It's more like a spread out. Uh, how, how can I explain? Not, <laughs> I'm not going to say wallpaper because that's bad. Obviously, they still have. I mean, the craftsmanship over here is always great. Uh, it's about the stories paired with casting, paired with the formula that becomes too predictable. And when you see a lot of these shows at the same time, it's so obvious when a show sticks out and becomes brilliant. Whereas the other one becomes very formulaic and sort of like I've seen this a thousand times before. It's just new faces, a new title, but same uniforms and pretty much the same storyline. Among the titles Catherine felt did stand out this year were The Loudest Voice, Showtime's miniseries starring Russell Crowe and Naomi Watts based on a book about Fox News founder Roger Ailes, Katie Keene, a musical comedy drama spin-off from Riverdale, Warner Bros. Batwoman series, the Veronica Mars reboot, sci-fi comedy drama Resident Alien, and mystery drama Nancy Drew. International series Devils, which became the first Italian show to be shown at the LA screenings as part of Sky Vision slash NBC Universal slate, and Aussie UK comedy drama Frayed, another Sky Vision show that comes from Sharon Horgan's Merman Prodco, also piqued Catherine's interest this week. Meanwhile, buyers at the screening are used to knowing that certain shows will be off the table in their territories due to various output deals between the studios and their local competitors. I asked Catherine whether she felt this was more prominent this year, as studios keep one eye on the forthcoming launches of their direct-to-consumer services, such as Disney+, Plus, which of course will come with its own exclusive Star Wars series that otherwise would have been hot properties this year. They've been quite, um, uh, how can I say, smart, just displaying obviously what would be kind of, I think, almost arrogant to have too many titles for a larger part of the audience that was unavailable to them. There's always some, you know, like, Showtime has a deal with HBO in Nordic. So I know that when I watch The Loudest Voice, it's not available to us, and I can't have it anyway. And they, and they do show those kind of shows because it's available to others. But there wasn't a lot, like Star Wars, they didn't even, they just like mentioned it, but they don't screen a full episode because obviously that would be not so good. So I would say that as far as the retaining of rights, it was, I mean, there was like the most what we saw was available to us. It's the classic network procedurals. So what they don't, like the, the retain, whatever they are retaining, they didn't mention at least. We'll see once we start negotiating things or really reaching out because I think they haven't really honestly sorted everything out yet. So I think it's just all happening at the same time and there were very late decisions on what some pilots were not finished completely. They might recap them. Uh, some pilots lacked um, some graphics uh, where they just had to put up graphic signs of what there's going to be swans in the lake or whatever. It was a Paramount show, for example. So I think, you know, the, the, 
as usual, though, I mean, normally, or it's not unusual that pilots are ready in the last minute. Uh, but still, I think this year, given that they had to co-decide on what to show, it might have been even more delayed than normal. So um, it's hard to, I mean, I didn't get the impression that there was a lot that they showed that they actually would not sell, just wanted to show. Uh, they picked the stuff that would be available. So to me, it was quite a normal standard screening year after all. It's just like the structures, the company structures and the logistics of the screenings that where I felt it the most like the, the changes, so to speak, and of obviously what they were signaling and talking about at the beginning of the screenings, um, you know, what, what, how the company will be structured, what their ambitions are and goals onward, et cetera. Everything is really changing so rapidly. We'll see how it all pans out and who sells what. And, and again, that we talked about before, or what we are able to buy eventually. It just hasn't really kicked in yet. CBS and Paramount are not like, from what I understand, 100% signed off as merged either. So, you know, we're in the middle of it. And they just try to cope as well as possible for, for these screenings. That's all we have time for in this week's episode. Remember to stay up to date with all the latest industry developments by following C21 online, on Twitter, and on mobile. Thanks for listening. 